This show contains badass material and foul f***ing language. Some people may find offensive. What else did you expect? Nostalgia really whips the llama's ass. Hey there, I'm Lisa. And I'm Agnes. And together, we are Sass and Sips, a watch, rewatch podcast. We want to personally invite you to check out our podcast, where we'll be discussing TV shows from two perspectives. One who has seen the show before. And one who's not so sure. While we drink a lot. <laughs> I mean, like a lot, a lot. <laughs> Every season, we will focus on a new show. And for our first season, we have chosen the iconic show, Lost. We hope that you will come over and check us out. We can be found on your favorite podcast platform or at sassandsips.com. If you're down for drinks, friends, and television, then make sure you listen and subscribe. Because we're down for all of it. Yes. So listen with your bestie, open your favorite bottle, and sip and sass with Sass and Sips. Stoner Chicks. We're four friends who met through comedy and bonded through weed. I'm Grace Penzel. I'm Kayla Teal. I'm Stephanie Thompson. I'm Phoebe Richards. If you love smoking weed and laughing with your friends, this podcast is for you. Weekly episodes will drop on Fridays starting April 2nd. So subscribe now to Stoner Chicks wherever you get your podcasts. Coming to your favorite podcatcher soon. <laughs> so I'm back up in the game. Running things like my swing. Letting all the people know that I'm back to run the show. We're back, baby. <laughs> we are the return of the back. We're back. Here I am, back in the basement. Yeah. I always love talking to you. I always love talking movies, of course, and yep. nostalgia, of course. But it's hard to re- kind of get into it when you're just staring at a copy of Under the Dome that you put a Zoom <laughs> microphone on. <laughs> <laughs> like the whole time, I'm just like sitting there staring at it. <laughs> just for everyone else. So, God. <laughs> it's not even the- here we go <laughs> okay uh so i gave i gave kyle a, a handheld recording device and he needed to prop it up on something so he used the biggest book that he had which was <laughs> under the dome <laughs> Stephen King. that thing's like 1200 pages long oh yeah that's biblical <laughs> i only read it once but yeah it yeah. worked it worked. It worked. And you couldn't tell that we weren't in the same room. No, no. But we're back. Tonight we are drinking a vintage bottle of Double Jack Imperial Pumpkin Ale by Garrison. Mmm. Man. Double Jack. 8%. And baby, is it ever. <laughs> is it ever? You already finished yours. I finished mine. I couldn't help it. Uh, there's, you know, yes, it would have been nice to savor it, but. Damn, it hit. It tastes like Halloween. It's glorious. When, when you said about VHS, it hits different. This hits different. Yeah, it definitely hits double, double Jack hits different. They stopped making Double Jack probably about two or three years ago. And this brewery has a seller of their own private stock. And this was one that was in there. And they decided to release, you know, X amount of bottles. And uh, we were lucky enough to get, get one. Love you, Garrison. I like how we're we're sticking to like times, especially we're talking about mm. the '80s, and like for me, that was when you know, those things you watch when you're super young. Those for some reason, I mean, I'm not for some reason. That's why they're probably so nostalgic, is because like you're discovering things for the first time, and the '80s especially. That's like you're what five years old, five years younger. You said, yeah, yeah. But I'm definitely a child of the '80s. I was born in 1980, and um, but yeah, I love just talking about those things and 
those mm. timeless pieces of entertainment that seem it's, to just... It's so funny, too, because, you know, you and I have talked about music where, like, the music you get into in your, like, teen years, like, say you're, like, 15 or 16, the band that you were really into when you are 15 or 16, you could probably, if you're not still listening to them now, you could probably go back with fondness on it. Oh, yeah, so of course. So you, you and I, you were born 80, I was born 85, the movies that you and I both love came out when we wouldn't have been able to see them. Yeah. Probably watched them when you weren't supposed to. Sure. But yeah, those early 80s especially movies, yeah, we wouldn't have been able to see them in the theater. No. Especially the last couple of weeks worth of horror movies, like, man. Oh, yeah. Movies that I just still watch again and again and again. Yeah. But some of those, some of those I was kind of like late to get into. For sure. Yeah. But The Shining was was one of my first horror movies that I watched. And it's still one of my favorites, obviously. Ooh, yeah, I see what you're saying now. Yeah, like I'm trying to think of my list too. Like I don't know if even the ones that I picked mm. were necessarily fond childhood memories. Mm-hmm. Now, now I'm trying. The Evil Dead, I would say definitely. Yeah. And The Shining, like I watched at a really young age. But I'm glad I didn't watch Maniac when I was like oh, 12 fuck, no. years old. Yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine how we would have turned out? I don't know. Hmm. But yeah, I think that leads us in perfectly to what we're going to talk about tonight, which is tonight we're going to be talking about the greatest 80s action movies of all time. Well, in our opinions. But yeah, so the now when you're talking about these movies, these are the movies that you could watch. Maybe your parents probably were a little more comfortable with you watching them at a younger age. Because it's like, yeah, it's violent, but it's like cartoonish. It's like... Right. Yeah. It's not scary. It's just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them may be bloody, but yeah, they're so over the top and enter. I don't know. Action movies just are just so universally loved, I guess, for entertainment purposes. You know, the, the cartoonish violence isn't a, as brutal and as disturbing as, say, a horror horror movie violence would be. Yeah, yeah. We've got action in terms of explosion porn. Explosion porn. I, that took me a second to like. That's actually a good term. And then sci-fi oriented action flicks comedy action like there's just so many subcategories within action that i think we forget about which i did until we hit record that i was just like wait a minute i'm leaving out so many other movies out of my peripherals here i know and especially for some reason like like we talked about before with 80s being the um like the explosion of the slasher of a certain type of horror film yeah you could almost say like that there's a certain type of action something that happened in even in all those subgenres that just didn't maybe maybe that I mean, maybe it's just me but it didn't seem to exist the 80s really helped to bring that that che- that glorious cheesiness in terms mm-hmm. of like what makes an action film really great and entertaining to watch really came Agreed. into focus in the 80s yeah um, now you and you brought it up before you went through phase of a certain style of movie yeah. That's action oriented. So yeah, bef- yeah, before we get into the actual list of what we consider I guess to be the greats, I hope as many of you out there would feel the same way as me. When you're just a little kid and you see a good kung fu karate movie, like it's just the greatest thing because then you just want to be a kung fu superstar as well. For some reason in the 80s, uh, maybe it's just cuz I was that young, but there was seemed to be an explosion of martial arts movies. And I mean, that does lead me into, I can, one of my honorable mentions in terms of 80s action is the first R-rated movie I remember watching as a kid. Uh, And this was 1985, so I was five years old. And I do remember some, I don't know why my dad would have let me, or maybe he rented it and I just watched it. But I remember specifically the restricted, uh, here on on the East Coast, the Maritimes, we have the... I forget the, the whatever the Nova Scotia classification. I remember there's a specific st- sticker that I remember from the '80s, and it said "restricted" on it. Who is he? I don't know. He's a new recruit. I don't even know his name. He possesses great skills. American Ninja, mm-hmm. starring Michael Dudikoff. Uh, now it's probably what he's most known for if he ever did anything else. Uh, it's Joe Armstrong. An orphaned martial artist joins the army. For his first assignment, he finds himself in the Philippines. Here, he encounters a platoon of American ninjas. Uh, August 30th, 1985. And check this out. Mm-hmm. Uh, budget, 
a million dollars made 10 million bucks and it was released by Canon oh yes that famous great 80s um, film studio but yeah American Ninja it was just a weird movie oh man it just made me think of there's so many I mean, obviously I'm going to talk a little bit about Jean-Claude Van Damme as well but for some reason American Ninja made me think of there was like a a weird movie in the 80s called Jim Cotta did you ever hear about this movie Jim Cotta no. he was a gymnast and remember the horse where you the balance the horse and you oh, do yes. all the flips and stuff yeah. he would do uh, oh, he yeah. would do kicks as he was flipping around the horse yes. the pommel horse or whatever um, but yeah so American Ninja uh, another honorable mention of course is Bloodsport um, by the great Jean Claude Van Damme, of even bigger hit, grossing fifty million on a budget of one point five million dollars. Um, Bloodsport also had. Remember Mike Tyson's Punch Out? Oh yes. And what's his name? Piston Honda. Mm-hmm. I guarantee, for some reason, I think Piston Honda was inspired by. Remember the main villain of Bloodsport? I forget what his name is now. Bolo, Bolo, oh Bolo Young. Um, but he was like the main villain of Bloodsport, the big martial arts tournament that he fought at the end and. Uh, so one more honorable mention in my martial arts, <laughs> <Sub-category>. <laughs> my nostalgia martial arts uh, uh, throwback. This movie, I don't, I don't know if a lot of people know about it. I know it was released on Shout Factory on DVD, but for some reason I found this movie as a kid and I watched it so much. And it's so ridiculous. I watched it recently and it does not hold up. But because I know it as a kid, I still love it. It's so bad, though. It's called Ninja 3, The Domination. Have you ever heard about this movie? <laughs> Again, released by Canon. Uh, it was the Canon Group film, uh, 1984, uh, directed by Sam Furstenberg. Uh, stars Sho Kazuki. Do you know the name Sho Kazuki? No. Anyway, so it was the third film in the Canon Films Ninja Trilogy anthology. The first being Enter the Ninja. The second being Revenge of the Ninja. Um, and it... <laughs> gotta hear this plot just a second. Um, <laughs> wait, I'm gonna find it. Here it is. A fitness instructor slash power technician gets possessed by the wicked spirit of a ninja assassin who wants to avenge his death. He attacks the policeman who slew him. Now, for those of you that don't know, this movie starts with a ninja for some reason enacting a full-scale assault on the LAPD at a golf course in Hollywood. (laughs) And he's killing all of them. The, the, The cops unleash a SWAT team and they finally kill this ninja. He wants revenge on the police that killed him, but he was killing all the police. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, he, yeah, he possesses a fitness aerobics instructor and she, <laughs> it obviously would not hold up today, but when, when the spirit is like coming through her, like exorcist style, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. her, her eyes, she's an American girl. Her eyes get Asian. Ooh. It's yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> so yeah, but Not good. in terms of a, uh, I don't know, a childhood throwback for me, that movie is like a, a pretty awesome. A movie, unfortunately, of its time. Yes. Yeah. Just to preface, these are our nostalgic movies, not the best movies. If you were to build a best movies list, it might be a little different than something that's nostalgic. Like I, I wouldn't say Doctor Otto is the best movie. Mm-hmm. But I will say it's nostalgic to me. Yeah, no, for sure. And like, yeah, I wouldn't say. I mean, Kickboxer and Bloodsport are definitely not the best movies, but they're very nostalgic to me. Yes, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna knock out some of the uh, honorable mentions that didn't make a top five list for myself. Oh, did you hear that romance? That's a great sound. Now this one's gonna be controversial. Die Hard. Okay. As as, a, as an honorable mention, but not yeah, not no, my I'm, not I'm, my top list. I'm with you. It's uh, I, I okay. Like Die Hard's fine. Everyone fine. everyone loves Die Hard. Yeah, everyone um, loves. That's their best. That's their favorite Christmas movie. But for some reason, <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you. It, it never really attached itself to me, uh, uh, even as a kid. Uh, even like going into like being an adult. I, I mean, I've definitely watched it a couple times. Um, you know, people love it as a Christmas movie now. It's just, it's mm-hmm. not up there for me. No, it's not. Didn't really peg it as a action flick, but I think it qualifies. They Live. Hey! John Carpenter's They Live. What a great one. And with the immortal Roddy Piper. I, I do love that, uh, that fight scene in the alley, mm-hmm. which is, you know, straight out of WWF and 
1987. Exactly. Yeah. 88. So I put, I, I mean, I put They Live on my honorable mentions as well. Cool. Because, like, in terms of action, mm-hmm. there's, I mean, there is some, but it's not, no. It's not a main part of it. For some, like, a lot of They Live is like the alien conspiracy. It's more cerebral than it is a sweaty biceps and machine guns, like you've so yeah. aptly put. <laughs> Which uh, will definitely be some to talk about. Soon. Definitely will be some. Aliens. What in the hell are you? What the hell are you doing, Matt? So it's not. Uh, it's not my nostalgia. Mm-hmm. It's an excellent movie, though. Mm-hmm. Beverly Hills Cop. Okay, good. That's not on there. Yeah. Okay. I uh, I first saw this as a comedy. Uh, it is definitely a comedy, but at the end of the day, there's some pretty sweet action in it. Mm-hmm. There's some good explosion porn in that. Predator. Man, I'm so curious as to what like we might as well get into my top five because like, yeah, because because <laughs> Predator is my last of my honorable mentions. Okay, okay, good. Okay, okay. Predator's fantastic, but again, what what I'm about to list may surprise someone. Mm-hmm. It even surprised me compared to what I knocked out. But again, these ones ranked higher in my memory bank than they did the others. Awesome. Okay, so give me your top five. Okay, I want to give so. My uh, this is like special lifetime achievement honorable mention what? that I wanted. Just what the, this is two two movies, and then just because these are more adventure, okay, than action. Ooh. But I wanted to include them because, in, definitely in terms of nostalgia, mm-hmm. these are like these movies are everything. You know what I mean? And they they made they meant so much to me as a kid. Um, so it's the one two punch, and actually. This would be a great double feature now that I think about it because uh-huh. it involves like being underground and in ancient like tunnels and mm-hmm. ancient treasures and mm-hmm. getting treasures. Mm-hmm. So we have the one-two punch of The Goonies uh-huh. and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Ooh. Um, of course, everybody knows those two movies. But man, The Goonies definitely to me especially was just because maybe it's because it was about a cast of kids. But it just I wanted to be the part of the Goonies so bad when I was a kid. I know. And I think definitely like every probably kid like identified with like wanting to be Sean Astin kissing the older girl that he had a crush on. And also like I love, I'd love the character arc, I guess you could say, but to uh, Sean Astin being just the little annoying little dweeb brother to Josh Brolin. Mm. But by the end of it, he's like the leader of the Goonies. And he's like, you know what I mean? He's the one leading them to success and he's the one that knows the map and he can figure, you know, it's, yeah. it is a great coming of age movie. Yeah. I mean, who, well, we don't need to say too much about Raiders of the Lost Ark. Of course, Spielberg and Indiana Jones. I mean, oh. how, how much more iconic can you get? Yeah, yeah. And like the opening to Indi- to Raiders of the Lost Ark, is there anything more entertaining Come than, on. than that sequence of like, the, the especially how iconic can you get the boulder? Mm. He's right running away from the boulder in the tunnel. Like, oh man, that's just so good. That's perfection. Adventure, so good. adventure movie perfection. Okay, so Kyle, are you ready to give me your number five of your top five? I don't know what the song goes, but I can hear it in my head. <laughs> the great movies. <laughs> <laughs> wow uh, what's your number five i'm just gonna blow people's minds you're gonna time. blow <laughs> i'm gonna blow <laughs> oh you're gonna blow all right um and this was I you're was, gonna cry and then you're gonna cry again <laughs> rochelle rochelle <laughs> um oh my god <laughs> this is gonna be controversial okay but we're talking nostalgia we're talking about and especially a movie that will stand the test of time. Mm. A movie that is so bad, it's good. And we're talking about 80s action films. 89, just making the cut. An American action film directed by Rowdy Harrington starring Patrick Swayze. Roadhouse, baby! <laughs> <laughs> wow. What a build-up that a, was. As a cooler at a newly refurbished mm. roadside bar who protects a small town in Missouri from a corrupt businessman and i'll tell you why this is one of the greatest action films of the 80s <laughs> not only do you have a badass protagonist 
in Patrick Swayze. He's like spitting philosophy. Mm-hmm. He's doing Tai Chi. He's kicking ass at a bar. He's locked in. We, we talk a lot about machine guns. I've definitely talked a lot about martial arts. Not a lot's been talked about bar fights. There's some great bar fight action in Roadhouse, man. And I'm talking bottle smashing, yeah. beer flying, wow. uh, girls in lingerie dancing on tabletops. I mean, this Why movie. not? And also, one of the most hated. I, I, This is probably my most hated villain in all of movies, but I just hate this guy. I just want to punch him in the face so, like, I mean, he rips the henchman's heart out by the riverside in Roadhouse. Oh, God. Uh, I could go on and on. Roadhouse, incredible. Rewatchable, man. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've watched Roadhouse. Really? Yeah. I swear it's on AMC like every month. Yeah, and I'll watch it every second but, month. But even for us streamers, like it's on Netflix, and I always go buy it, and I go, <laughs> Ugh, I haven't yeah. watched that in a long time, and I always, I always miss it. Mm-hmm. I should Again, go back. Yeah, we're talking about just person. This is personal nostalgia to me. Everybody, don't freak out. Obviously, Roadhouse is definitely not like one of the best movies ever made, but it's a great eighties action movie, man. <laughs> okay, well that's a that's an interesting number five, considering what you listed as an honorable mention. Exactly. The rest won't be so controversial, but you know what? I wafted back and forth. I got to have one just. Funny, cheesy, bad. Uh, I think I think my list, aside from maybe my top two, um, the rest of the people would be like, "You don't even like action flicks, do you, Matt?" <laughs> no, I guess not. <laughs> I'm a horror guy. My number five is a 1987 American buddy cop action film directed by Goonies director Richard Donner, mm. produced by Joel Silver and written by Shane Black. Jeez, stars. Mel Gibson and Danny Glover, <laughs> alongside Gary Busey and Tom Atkins. A lethal weapon. I'm getting too old for this shit. Man, you know what's funny? Danny Glover w- was only 41 when he said, I'm getting too old for this shit. He was only 41? Let, let that, that le- sink in. Is that lethal weapon one or two? One. Okay, good. I think he started with saying that he was too old for the shit. That's funny. 41. Budget of 15 million. Box office, 120.2. Yeah, I was going to try to guess. I knew it was definitely. That's that's a monster, man. It is a monster of a movie. I'm really surprised that, like, Bruckheimer didn't have his stamp on this early on in life. I wonder if, did Joel Joel Silver and Bruckheimer ever, were they, like, almost competing producers? They would have had to have been. Yeah. Yeah. He's Beverly Hills Cop, right? He's Roadhouse. Yes! He's also Die Hard, Predator, Lethal Weapon, Jumpin' Jack, Flash, Commando, Weird Science. Yeah. Love him. Lethal Weapon. Man, what an excellent blend of comedy and action. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what made this um, such a non, like a non-threatening action movie. Oh, for sure. You know, like you, you, when you're, we're talking 87, yeah, 1987, like we've already seen Schwarzenegger. We've already seen Stallone, like these guys who blow shit up and are intimidating. These guys are just run-of-the-mill cops. They just kind of blend these two worlds that it feels fresh in this movie. It's not the first to do it, but it's definitely the best to do it of that era. Mm-hmm. Number four. Now, we've talked so much already about the Terminator, and I wanted to not include... One of the things about my list is I didn't want to include the same director twice. Um, so we've talked... And, and also, I didn't want to include movies with the same actor twice. Mm-hmm. So we've talked enough about the Terminator. And mm-hmm. who knows? And I, I imagine it very well might be on your list, so that doesn't matter anyways. So I'm not going to talk about The Terminator, but what I am going to talk about, my number four. It's also directed by James Cameron, and it's Aliens. Aliens is, and I'm realizing now, too, like how many science fiction action films are on my my list, but Aliens is just such, talk about a setup, Mm -hmm. quick setup, and then you spend two hours in a payoff of just like super tense, Mm. ultra action, 
really kind of borderline horror-ish action. Oh, yeah. Um, of course, the alien, the, the xenomorph or whatever, one of the great creature designs in film history. Most certainly. Um, a, an amazing uh, action hero in Ellen Ripley. Um, kind of like, I love, the, you know, those characters that are like the underdog. I mean, she obviously proved herself an alien, but you could almost watch Aliens as, on its own. It, you don't need to watch Alien before you watch the sequel. It's just yeah. such a perfect setup action. You know, this woman has been like in hibernation for whatever, and she wakes up and she tries to warn everybody, but of course they, you know, they don't listen to her and they go and it, it I don't know, Bill Paxton. Oh, man. Sigourney Weaver, even little Newt. Maybe it's like watching his little kid, like having the, the 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 kid, the vulnerable kid who lost her parents there as an added little factor. I don't know. It just made everything so much more um, desperate. Yeah, it's I don't know. That movie just holds up, and that's actually there's there was a movie theater here in Halifax, a legendary movie theater called the Oxford, mm-hmm. and when they were closing, they did a bunch of classic movie screenings for the city. And that was my send-off. Me and my buddy Paul went to the Oxford and watched Aliens. And it was fucking awesome. I love this sequel. It unfortunately like rivals how good the first one is because of how action-oriented this one is. Oh, man. And especially, like, I love James Cameron. Can He can frame someone walking with a big machine gun better than any like <laughs> and you're just like wandering the halls of that yes, empty space yes. vessel and look to that blue that blue color scheme or whatever and just those mm. and, oh man well the, i think what really works for that movie is that there's so much action and it's claustrophobic exactly like yeah it puts it really puts you there and a lot even a lot of the, the shots too are just like the flashlights in empty hallways of this ship you know, going back and forth, and you know the alien could be behind, you know, every corner. Yeah. Great movie. Number four. Excellent. Aliens. Nice. My number four is something you've already listed. 1985 American adventure comedy co-produced and directed by Richard Donner from a screenplay by Chris Columbus based on a story by executive producer Steven Spielberg. Oh. Of course I'm talking about The Goonies. (laughs) That's awesome. I love the Goonies. I'm so glad that's like your top. Yeah. Life. Now, the uh, yes, you're right. It's it's more of an adventure than it is an action, but the action that's in it meant so much to me when I was a kid. Like that was like one of my first ones that I got into, but I've I've watched this movie so much and I still to this day, I could pop it on and finish every quote for you, no problem. <laughs> when you watch The Goonies, you see ET with the kids on the bikes, for instance, right? And they're on adventure, and they're outcasts, and it's kid-centric without any adults, etc. But, like, you want to be one of those kids. You want to be a Goonie. <laughs> I love how, too, how each one of those kids is so well-defined. Yes. Um, you know, you got the kind of straight-laced, average kid around the block, Sean Astin, but then you have, like, the nerdy, like, super... Data. Yeah, who, like comes up with the gadgets and he's and then you have chunk who's the comedic relief of the group yeah but even the the villains like the fratellis joe pants joey pants oh my god they were so good in that <laughs> i know and the bickering brothers like the way that they could bicker back and forth it felt so genuine and maybe that's what also works right it's the casting mm-hmm. so you know you give a lot of credit to the director the producer the writing you know what one of my favorite scenes in that is? And it's not even action-oriented. It's when Mouth is translating to the <laughs> housekeeper. And he's telling, oh, her, yeah. he's telling her to make sure like the, the cocaine is in the different drawers and <laughs> not to mix it up. And poor Rosalie, she's like, oh my God, I'm in a crazy house. Like, <laughs> 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 yeah. Anyway, I, I love the Goonies and I can't wait until... We actually sit down and show Danny like the good. Yeah, for and, sure. And because I mean, my he son, has to love it. Oh yeah, my my son's going to love it, right? Like he he thinks he loves horror movies because I tell him abridged versions of everything. Like tell me a scary <laughs> story, and I just think of a movie that I love, and then I cut out all the crazy stuff. But the Goonies, <laughs> I don't have to cut anything out. He's gonna love it right out of the gate. 19 million on the budget. What do you think it brought in? Um, I mean, it's 1980s too again. I'm going to I'm just going to say 120 again. 124. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Awesome. Okay. 
Goonies, number four. Perfect. What do you got for number number three? Um, so yeah, I talked about how I didn't want to include uh, two movies by the same actor and director, and we already talked a little bit before too about Die Hard and how that's not going to make our lists. Um, but the director of Die Hard is John McTiernan, mm-hmm. a movie you talked about a bit before. Yeah. I'm not going to put The Terminator on my list, but I'm going to put Predator mm. on my list. I'm number three, uh, of course, Schwarzenegger, the leader of an elite paramilitary rescue team on a mission to save hostages who encounter a deadly and technologically advanced alien who stalks and hunts them down. Um, and so, yeah, the list couldn't be complete without, like I said, biceps and machine guns and you got the jungle you got arnold he covers himself in mud to mask his heartbeat you know what i mean and also a great creature oh in the predator a cool idea of we don't know where it comes from why it's there but it has just like chameleon camouflage ability and that's at the time i just remember that being so terrifying when you like I do, I've always loved that scene. When I think of Predator, I think of like the scene when, um, I oh, is it Arnold? I think he's like he's wandering, and the buddy that they lost grabs and pulls him down, puts his like covers his mouth. Oh man! And he goes and he like points, mm-hmm. and then the cam the, the camera goes wide to the jungle, and you can see the blurred see through vision of this thing sitting on the branch, and then it cuts back to the. The actor, I forget his name now, and he's like, I see you. Oh, oh, it's so good. It is good. It's really good. I did watch, like, a, it was like a mini documentary or something on the making of Predator. And there was a cool story that they told. Peter Cullen is the actor, and he was like a voice. He was, I, I guess, you know, famous for like, um, like voiceovers or something. So they hired him to do the voice of the Predator. So I said, could you bring the boom down? Could you bring it down, please? I said, it's here. And I said, further, 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 further. So I got it there. And I said, and the director behind me cannot hear what I'm doing. He can't hear it. And he's, he's throwing the paper down the desk. What, what is going on here? Like this. And then about 10 seconds later, come up here. Come up, come up here. You got to hear this. You got to hear this. And he's up the back staircase. And he, he's gone up. And you hear the slam. Then about five minutes later. <laughs> All right, well, let's go to real one. <laughs> and that's how that happened. Very signature to the creature. Yeah, very cool. Um, but yeah, I, I love, I mean, Predator is awesome. So, I mean, and it had to have one of those kind of machine gun action movies in there. So I'm going to put it on my number three. Nice, man. My number three brought in more than I ever anticipated to see in a box office number for this movie. <laughs> it had a budget of 35 to about $48 million. It's kind of a span. Put out in 1989. Have a budget of how much? 35 to about 48 million. That's a lot in the 80s. 1989, yeah. Its box office was 411.6 million. In the 80s? Man, I don't even know what this could be. Tim Curry, David Bowie, John Lithgow, Ray Liotta, and James Woods were also considered as one of the major characters, but they didn't get the job. Mel Gibson, Kevin Costner, Charlie Sheen, Tom Selleck, Bill Murray, Harrison Ford, and Dennis Quaid were also considered for Wait, the roles. Now I know what movie. I think I know what movie it is. But they didn't get the job. Wait, it could be either one of two. But I can't believe it made $400 million. It's a director-composer combo that has stood the test of time. You know, you think of Spielberg oh. and Williams. Okay, then it's not what I was thinking of. What is it? I'm talking about Batman. Oh! <laughs> I was like... They Live or Big Trouble in Little China didn't pull in that much money. <laughs> no, it didn't. <laughs> but yeah, um, so yeah, 1989 Batman brought in $411 million wow. in a box office. Now, that's a great nostalgic pick because I, I specifically remember going to see this at Penhorn Mall in Dartmouth and the lineup was out of the mall for Batman. Well, Batman 
Batman in 1989 was Hulkamania in 1983. This was such a big deal. Not to say that Batman was the only one, but Batman was huge. <laughs> when Batman came out in 89, Batman was almost like Metallica's Black Album Tour. They hit the road and they didn't come back home for about three years. That's <laughs> <laughs> the same thing with Batman. Like Michael Keaton's Batman was the Batman and everyone was into it. <laughs> everyone knew Batman won. Like Jack Nicholson as the Joker. Could you imagine if Tim Curry, David Bowie, John Lithgow, Ray Liotta, or James Woods... Now, Tim Curry yes, could yes. have pulled off the Joker. Yes, he did pull off a clown, that's for sure. <laughs> that's true. Allegedly, Lithgow, during his audition, attempted to talk Burton out of casting him, a decision he would later publicly regret, stating, I didn't realize it was such a big deal. Well, of course. What in the... <laughs> that was... Oh, man, I, I wish that conversation was on tape. Because <laughs> like, I was going to say, talk about a match made in heaven, Tim Burton... And that Batman movie. Like, he was so suited to that material, it's, like, insane. Tim Burton's style, his his aesthetic, is so well-suited to Gotham City. Exactly. Gotham, the, the Gotham City is exactly what I'm talking about. Like, the smoky suit, like, the steamy sewers and yes. the dark streets. And the, even have this little glistening of, like, water on the streets. And everything's just dirty and a little sketchy, you know? It's almost like a safe version of all these dirty grindhouse movies we love now. Like, it was like, all right, how can you market the streets of Maniac? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, that's, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a dirty New York City. Looking at it now, we totally missed on the subtle prostitution that's happening in the backdrop. That first family who's mugged before Batman meets the thugs on the roof. Oh, yeah. You know, like the kids going through the map and the dad's like, put it away. We look like tourists. And this lady in a red dress goes, hi, honey. And she's like pawing at the map. They're just like always there. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ready to yeah, pounce. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. This movie still means so much to me now. It's, it's, we've talked about before, we use this term a lot, but like it's a perfect storm. It was having the, the soundtrack, the vision, and then having Jack Nicholson carry out this maniac on screen, but a lovable maniac. Yeah. Even love, remember his boss, Jack Palance? Oh, Jack. <laughs> you are my number one guy. <laughs> and I love later how Joker, Joker's like, remember, you are my number one no. guy. <laughs> yes, sir. 1980, Jack cements himself as being the best maniac mm -hmm. for any role. In The Shining. That's true. And then they cast him as the Joker, and he's able to be Jack Torrens again. He made the Joker, like, charismatic. Right. Like, he was like a ladies' man. He was, like, super confident and funny. He was a rock and, star. Yeah, whereas, like, you know, he, I love the Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight, but he was just a... Loon, like a out of his mind lunatic, you know. Yes. Which I mean, the Joker's supposed to be, which Jack Nicholson also is, but yeah, Jack brought that extra bit of like, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, and and definitely like, don't get me wrong. Yes, I completely agree with you. Uh, Heath Ledger's version of the Joker is so different, um, but maybe it's my nostalgia that will always bring me back to Jack's Joker. I think it's a better Joker. And I think it's and I and what I like about it is the fact that maybe Jack's actually crazy that it doesn't feel like a character. You're just watching Jack in white makeup <laughs> dancing and green around. hair and yeah, yeah, yeah. You are a vicious bastard of brutality. <laughs> but anyway, there you go. Awesome. Uh, number two, my number two, another icon, like uh, for those people that can't uh, see what we're watching on the television, I will enlighten you a bit. Uh, I, I almost wanted to put, I wanted to put uh, Total Recall on this list, Ooh. but then I, because I was like, well, I can't put another Arnold on it. And then I found out actually it was 1990, so it doesn't even qualify anyways. But director Paul Verhoeven in 1987, made an American science fiction action film um, set in a crime-ridden Detroit, mm, almost mm. like a Gotham City, mm. in the near future. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it centers on police officer Alex Murphy, who was murdered 
by a gang of criminals and subsequently revived by the mega corporation Omnic and Super Products as the cyborg law enforcer Robocop. <laughs> My number two, Robocop, is awesome. It was just primed for a kid. Like, it's such like a toy. You can almost, it's like immediately would be an awesome action figure to have, like Robocop, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, just such a perfect thing for a kid to watch although this movie was extremely violent for a kid to watch most certainly the scene of course with um ed 209 i especially remember being very disturbing as a kid to watch because it's so it that scene is so disturbing because not only does the guy that get destroyed not deserve it at all Mm -hmm. but it's because he's doing everything he's supposed to do and the thing malfunctions and still obliterates him. You know, it's just yeah. such a crazy scene. Yeah. Uh, definitely one of the most memorable scenes of the movie. But I do love the story of um, the cop that gets murdered by the criminals, gets revived as a robot. And then that that aspect of the movie where it's like he's, even though he's a robot, he's remembering who he was as a human. Like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, it's just a cool, I don't know. It's a great story, a great movie. So many memorable moments. Well, this this movie actually takes me back to being a kid, not really remembering the movie, but being caught up in type of, uh, you know, 80s marketable superhero craze. Mm-hmm. You know, there were toys. There was actually a kid's cartoon TV series, RoboCop, as well, which I think extended my love for RoboCop. But again, it's so funny how there were certain movies that were put out that had toys attached to them for movies that the kid couldn't even see. <laughs> and this is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this hilariously is also my number two. Yes! Oh, I always hope at least we're going to match one. So it had a budget of 13.7 and its box office was 53.4. Okay. okay. Now, it's because th- it's, it's extreme. I think I think it had so much controversy about it being so extreme. Like it's funny that you said that it was that the Ed two hundred nine violence was disturbing, but Murphy getting blasted to bits. Well, that also was very disturbing. Also, could, mostly because of how much joy those guys yeah. took in destroying him. Like mm-hmm. you know, like the and then his his hand gets completely just. I don't know. It's pretty graphic, man. definitely pretty disturbing. Clarence Bodiger, yes. the main villain RoboCop, is Red Foreman yeah. in that '70s show. It's so amazing to see actors, you know, see how where they've come from. I know, and and what's the most recent memory that you have of them at the same time? It's also weird to think I I can't really remember even how I would have seen some of these movies, especially something like RoboCop, um, where it is so violent. Like, how did I watch this so young? I I, just, I, know. I can't remember. Because it's so long ago, but I definitely did because I remember being disturbed by it. Well, it is It is tough. It is tough as a parent, um, I, I will say. Um, wanting to expose them to things that you enjoyed at their age or close to their age. And you now even saying, yeah, no, no, I shouldn't. Because <laughs> it's just, it just somehow time has time has changed, has changed us. And uh, but but what I will say about RoboCop, despite its violence and despite all of that, um, the movie is very effective. It has a very important message in it, like the mechanization of police, um, you know, just treating them like a a twenty four seven machine. You know, uh, where are we with technology? You know, are we able to create a being and and erase pasts? You know, it's true. These are these are very very present present devices that we're currently still struggling with to this day wow look at you so we're we're at number one now this is insane because i'm happy that this movie ended up as my number one okay we talked about it before in this episode it was honorable mentions but we're talking nostalgia here mm-hmm. and like this movie to me I don't know. As a kid, I I just loved watching this. This the soundtrack to this movie is amazing. The action's amazing. It's like really fast paced. It's like it's not really about anything except for people at a aviation school. <laughs> but it 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 has the greatest. I I consider Tom Cruise to be the greatest movie star of all time. And this is almost like peak. 
This this could be considered one of peak Tom Cruise. Okay. Of course, I'm talking about 1986 and great director Tony Scott, one of the great. Oh man, I love That's Tony Scott so much. Uh, my number one is going to be, and again, I'm surprised. I'm just as surprised as you are. Wow! That this is my number one. Yeah. But I'm and speaking nostalgia, speaking '80s action, speaking rewatchability. My number one is Top Gun. Wow! I love Top Gun. Yeah. <laughs> what a great movie, man. Um, great music too. Oh. Like Danger Zone. Kenny Loggins. Like you get a soundtrack by Kenny Loggins, the movie's gonna be gold. <laughs> Take me on your mighty wings tonight. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like I said, this movie's not really about too much, except there's Maverick, who's kind of a, you know, a rebel. You know, he's the main character of the movie. He doesn't he doesn't play by anybody's rules, man. He plays by his own rules. <laughs> he, like, hits on his instructor and then, like, actually has sex with her. <laughs> like, because he's, he's awesome. Because he's awesome. <laughs> He has a rival, Val Kilmer, another star yeah, star oh, making man, turn. Yeah. Val Kilmer is as Iceman. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> one of the great things about Top Gun, the code names. You got Maverick, you got Iceman, you got Slider, you got Jester, you got Goose, his sidekick Goose. Oh, oh yeah. tragedy. That's actually that's a very sad scene too when, when mm-hmm. Goose dies. Mm-hmm. Um, man. In Back to the Future, oh my god. I can't believe I'm just about to connect Top Gun to Back to the Future. Um, Mr. <sighs> Who's the teacher? Strickland uh-huh. in Back to the Future. Yep. He's one of the military instructor guys in Top Gun. <laughs> yeah. I'm giving you your shot. You're going to Top Gun. Wow. This was a big box office success. Oh, of course. Wow. I'm just seeing it now, too. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's a bigger ratio than the Batman. Um, probably yeah the budget was smaller probably a 15 yeah. mil but yeah 357 million dollars uh that's a jerry bruckheimer don don simpson joint <laughs> joint yeah do you know that top gun soundtrack is one of the most popular soundtracks to date reaching really? nine times platinum certification Amazing. and number one on the billboard hot 200 charts for five non-consecutive weeks in the summer and fall of 86 wow wow and it's yeah i just love that story too like the whole movie pretty much takes place in like the flight school to be an air force master pilot or whatever they're going for but then at the very end they actually have to get called into combat and they're like this is the real thing like this isn't a test this is where all your training is going to come into play like Mm. we need you to step up and they go into like and they fight I guess they're Russians. I don't know. Their helmets had stars on them. Yeah. Like, we don't know who they were or what really the story is there, but it's America. Oh my God. <laughs> the American Air Force, and they're just kicking ass and blowing they're planes just up. Kicking ass. Yeah. The power of movies, and of course, the power of Tom Cruise <laughs> uh, and his like super looks. Uh, bomber jacket sales and Ray Ban aviator sunglasses sales jumped 40% yes, after the success of, of Tom Cruise. Of course it did. <laughs> Of course I did. That's amazing. That is amazing. Not only am I surprised, but I'm just very happy, actually, that Top Gun is my number one action film of the 80s. Okay, so my number one. I'm not surprised by these two entries. And when we're talking about action flicks, I would be remiss not to have an Arnold in my list. Uh, yes, and of course I am talking about Terminator. Hey! We did do an entire episode on the Terminator. That watch along was super fun, and uh, I do love I do love the first Terminator. Um, I've I for the longest time when I was a kid, I always thought the second was better, but that's because he was a good guy, and the action was bigger and it was updated '90s style. Now that is an interesting. I didn't even think about that fact, but I think you're 100 percent right on that. But now, I don't know. Terminator. It's because, yeah, we talked about it before. It's it's kind of like a slasher film. It is. And it's an intense movie. Yeah, like, uh, if if you want to use a, a horror analogy, like, well, really, you don't have to because Arnold's Terminator in the first Terminator is a horror monster. Mm-hmm. He's a stalking Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees. He's the shape, yeah. Yeah, he just is unrelenting, and he will go to any lengths. He will lose his skin to kill. Mm-hmm. But uh, that that movie, man, so good. Also, just a great 
original story, like just such a great idea for a story. Like, I don't know. It holds up as like, it's, it's not like contrived or kind of copied, I guess, from anything. It's, I don't know. Like the idea that in the future, (laughs) this army, the machines will gain intelligence and then take over the human race but this one human is going to destroy the machines. So the machines send a robot back in time to kill the mother that will give birth to the army general. Oh. Like, it's such an, uh, I don't know, it's such a great story. I know. It had a budget of $6.4 million. Now, for some reason, I don't think this was quite, uh, I don't know, some, I want to say like $60 million. 78. Man. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't a huge success. Um, but obviously, it is Terminator. It is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Star making. Yeah. Perfect movie for him because, hey, Arnold, I love you, man. But you, you don't have the greatest range in the world. We'll just say that. Well, he, he, that's the thing. It's You play up to your strengths. And right? that was his strength. Yes. That score, to me, might... I mean, we throw these, ter- we, we throw these statements around a lot. Because it's just part of the fun about talking about movies. Is like a lot of these things are so great, but the score to the Terminator really might be. I'm gonna say top ten movie scores of all time. Definitely because it's everything about it is so perfect, and how memorable that melody is, and and how well suited to the material that like remember at the end of the the, the opening credit sequence how the score like goes dun, 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 and it's like that metal clanging sound yeah and it really like it gets you amped up the movie's just about to start and you're just like oh my goodness like this movie's about to go down you know yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just such a great score that's our list number one wow this one was actually really difficult for me to kind of piece together mm-hmm I mean, I stewed on it and then put my list together and then saw my list and I was like, man, I am not an action fan yeah, by the, the look thing. of my list. Or like what happened with me was there was a lot of, um, like I talked a bit about those martial arts movies and like, let's say Chuck Norris and Rambo and those m- were movies I watched as a kid, but I just, I just can't, I couldn't put them on my list. You know? Right. Yeah. All right. So yeah, that was our top five actually top that was an even bigger list of the greatest action movies of the 80s at least our greatest action movies right. but so the thing about these movies is that they're so quotable they're so like cheesy funny in that way quotable um so there's just no other way to do a sign off than i'm just gonna just go through each one of my movies and <laughs> i'm just gonna just like stream of consciousness like those things that come to me so for Nostalgia Junk Podcast, I'm Kyle saying, Can you fly, Bobby? Pain don't hurt. Game over, man. Game over. <laughs> I feel the need. The need for speed. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm Matt from Nostalgia Junk Podcast saying, I'm too old for this shit. Jerk alert, gentlemen. Let's broaden our minds. Lawrence? I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> you still don't get it, do you? He'll find her. That's what he does. That's all he does. You can't stop him. He'll wade through you, reach down her throat, and pull her fucking heart out. <laughs> She's like, I was working at a uh, diner this morning. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I was working at a diner.